I wanted a career in which everything would matter. So I joined the CIA, and now I help protect our families, our friends, and every fellow American. Find out how everything you do in your career can impact our nation. Visit CIA.gov careers to learn more and apply. And what's up? Welcome in GC Live Thursday episode of the show. He is Chris Clark. I am Wes Mitchell getting ready for South Carolina versus number two, Georgia. We'll be joined very uh, shortly here, probably about, I guess now 12 minutes or so by Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com. Chris, we've known the guys at UGA Sports now for, I mean, what, probably a decade if you if you start to look at all the, the guys they have working over there and uh, they do a fantastic job, so I'm looking forward to hearing what Dash has to say about this Georgia team. And always good to get that extra insight uh, for people who cover a team on a day-to-day basis. Uh, so we'll be joined by him here shortly. Prior to that, Chris and I continue to go through South Carolina versus Georgia, getting ready for this matchup as we hit Thursday, uh, a couple of days before kickoff. As always, this show is brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network, clinthammond.com. So you can get more information on Clint or just give him a shout. 803-771-6933. The NMLS number is 71597. And his email address is chammond at mortgagenetwork.com. As we always tell you, uh, not forcing you to you know, support any of our sponsors, but if you are in that market to where either you want to buy a new home or you maybe just want to see about a refinance to save some money, take advantage of these new interest rates. All we ask is that you give Clint consideration. Let him earn your business because he supports us here on GC Live. Um, I missed the show yesterday, Chris. Um, how, how did we do? Did it, did it go smooth? Did uh, did we have any issues in the chat? Um, every, everything was fine? Everybody behaved. We didn't, uh, you know, I think it went pretty well. I, I will put that to the people. Um, but I think I got through it. Let's see. I don't think I muted myself at any point. We even, Wes, you, you will be so proud of this. I played not one, but two video clips during the show. I did I did the cold open that you have perfected on the show. Well, Marcus Satterfield audio. And then we rolled even another clip after that. So, I, you know, I thought it went pretty, you know, back pat for, for being able to play video, not muting myself. Now, what I actually said during the show who knows? I mean, it, it might have not have made any sense, but I think we got through it. Still interacted with some folks. We had a good little crowd. I thought it was great. Um, I appreciated everybody being in there and hanging in there and, and supporting. Yeah, J Rock says no muting, man. So that's uh that's the that's like the the main thing, right? Like that's that's the biggest thing. So um yeah, glad to be back and glad again we're gonna hear from the guys at UGA sports.com. Actually, always one of my favorite segments each week is because I always feel like we, when we have somebody on that covers the team, uh, we get some real insight into, you know, what guys to watch, what guys to keep an eye on. Obviously, you have two, um, I, don't wanna, I don't know if you would say similar quarterback situations necessarily, but two similar situations in that everybody's waiting to sort of see how the quarterback position plays out on Saturday. 
due to injuries. And uh, we're certainly going to ask Dash what's going on. Uh, you know, is it Stetson Bennett again? Is it JT Daniels back in the saddle? Is it Carson Beck? I, I didn't follow really at, at all last week going into UAB for Georgia, but I was reading this week that there are some people who thought Carson Beck was going to get the nod going into the game last week, and then it ended up being Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett the fourth to be uh, to be completely correct and accurate, Chris. Um, that, that's a Georgia name all the way, by the oh. way. Stetson Bennett the fourth is the most Georgia quarterback that's ever quarterbacked at Georgia. So, um, man, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And then uh, I see the – wow, we got a lot of Luke Doty questions so far. If – you know, I, I still don't know necessarily what direction this is going to go for South Carolina. I think, Chris, it's a little bit tighter as far as possibly being Zeb versus Luke starting this week than maybe it was last week at this same point. Again, I'll, I'll give the same answer, though. If you made me guess – based on information gathered at 2 o'clock on Thursday. I actually think Zeb probably gets the start again, with there this time being a greater chance that Luke Doty gets into the game probably than there was last week. Because I have heard behind the scenes he's a little bit further along. Um, you know, Beamer said the same, but I, I'm hearing those same things, that he's, he's farther along as far as his recovery, the soreness, all that stuff. And uh, certainly if you're South Carolina, if you're going to win this game, um, dude, you're going to have to throw every bullet you have, I, I think, at, at Georgia. So so we'll see. Um, did, did you – I know you all talked about it yesterday, but were, were there a couple of major takeaways for you from from the coordinators? And, and, and not to repeat what you said yesterday, but, but what caught your attention, man? Well, well I was going to say <clears throat> we did talk a good bit about – one main thing from yesterday with Marcus Satterfield is – we talked a lot about the run game. It was an abbreviated show, 30 minutes. I'd say about 20 of it was talking about, you know, the run game and some of those things. We did touch on Luke Doty because I thought that one of Marcus Satterfield's comments was kind of interesting. He was asked initially, uh, you know, hey, Zeb Nolan, Luke Doty, what's kind of the difference, if any, in terms of how Satterfield approaches calling a game? Um, if, if one or the other, if one is in versus the other. And he kind of just volunteered this and saying that the first thing he said, Wes, was, well, Luke Doty is comfortable with the DK package. So that was kind of interesting. You know, we always talk about those things that, that coaches say things for a reason. So to me, that was kind of leaving this door open and planting this seed for the idea that, hey, if Zeb does start, keep in mind, Luke Doty can come in there and and, and you can package some plays for him. We also talked about, Wes, the run game, like I said, we, we talked a ton about that. We don't have to relitigate that or, or rehash that unless anybody wants to. But the difference with Doty being farther along this week, as you said, doing more in practice, that's fantastic, right, in terms of his ability to ultimately get back on the field whenever that may be, whether this weekend or another time. There's a difference between that and even being 100% and being mentally and physically ready to play and go in there and start. Like we talked about that a lot yesterday because you got to keep in mind, even with Doty doing more in practice this week, well, last week he didn't do as much. Last week he still had soreness. Um, before that, he was in a boot, so he missed a lot of practice time. So that accumulates for a player that's still 
we forget, I think, Luke Doty is still very inexperienced as a player. Talented, yes, inexperienced. And so the staff, I think, more than just the actual physical status of the foot, which we know is a lot better now, it's about, you know, the soreness and ability to manage the pain and, you know, not aggravate the pain. And it's also about being mentally and physically ready from a rep standpoint to go in there and play. Yeah, no doubt, man. And I, I, some, some of that's going to be about game flow. I I would imagine as well, just, uh, you know, if we assume Zeb starts, then, um, you know, when when do you put Doty in? Uh, I mean, if you're South Carolina, I I do think the defense, if you look at what the defense has done so far, and again, it's hard, it's so hard to start to compare things because the talent of what you've played against is still not in the level of, of what South Carolina is going to face this week. Um, Georgia's offense so far um, has not necessarily been, they've not necessarily looked like world beaters yet, but also, it's just hard to it's hard to know what, what to expect with Georgia's offense against South Carolina's defense because of the disparity in competition so far. Well, I tend to think South Carolina's defense can at least keep them in this game um, for, for part of the way. Now, the, the thing about – you look at the game last week, man, for South Carolina, the defense kept getting put back out there. And because um, – I mean, I, I think we can accurately say for, for the full 60 minutes, you know, South Carolina's defense was better than ECU's offense because they kept getting stops. They had the one big play at the beginning. Then they had um, the, the short field touchdown, um, you know, off, off the fumble, I guess it was. And so to, to me, th- this defense has played very, very well. Can they possibly keep South Carolina in this game? Maybe so, but they're going to have to, even if it's just not necessarily that the offense is scoring every drive, which is not going to happen, but the offense can't just go three and out. I guess it was four times, Satterfield said last week. Um, Even if you're not scoring, there's value to moving the football, keeping the clock moving, keeping your defense on the sideline, and keeping some flow in the game as opposed to putting your defense right back on the field because Georgia's offense, if they have enough chances and those, you know, they, they've got three pretty good running backs, um, you know, big offensive line, um, really talented tight end. They're, they're, they're going to get their yardage over time. So to me, I don't, I don't expect South Carolina's offense to go score 30 points regardless, but can they move the football a little bit more consistently than last week and give, just give themselves a chance uh, to me, is sort of the difference in this being a game where South Carolina hangs around, or a game where South Carolina we're looking at it in mid-second quarter and we're saying this isn't even a football game. Can South Carolina just survive? Right, and, and that's that's going to be a key. I mean, uh, get, giving this Georgia offense a short field is is not going to be the way to go. And your defense, even in those situations, West, they can be playing well, and you're still giving up points because you are giving them those short fields. So huge point of emphasis this week for South Carolina, no doubt. All right, let's go out now. We're joined by UJSports.com's Anthony Dasher. Dasher, how you doing today, man? Hey, guys, I'm doing pretty good. Good to hear it, man. And, uh, of course, uh, we appreciate you taking the time. I know you, as uh, we are, are busy right now, so we appreciate it. Uh, another South Carolina-Georgia matchup. Um, 
get to renew this thing on Saturday. Um, I guess we got to start at, at quarterback. So mm-hmm. what, what's the latest word there? Um, do, do you have a feel yet for, for which of these three guys? I guess, first of all, you want to just give everybody a quick summary of the situation there with the, the injuries. Several guys banged up. I read they're all sort of practicing, getting back yeah. in the mix. It's similar to Luke Doty. He's been banged up, but he's practicing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's the latest there at quarterback at Georgia? Well, I'll just um, start with how what the injuries are and kind of where things stand right now. Uh, uh, JT Daniels uh, tweaked his back. It's been about three or four weeks ago. And then he retweaked it again in the, in the Clemson game. Kirby said it may, may have even been on like the first play of the game. But, you know, he played through it. Um, but woke up, I think it was, uh, the Monday following and, uh, couldn't go. So he missed a day of practice, but, uh, you know, gradually, you know, got back into the swing of things on, on Wednesday and, uh, as you know, from that point on has been feeling a lot better. And, uh, we last spoke to Kirby, uh, yesterday, uh, he, uh, said that JT is, uh, the best he's been since this whole thing started. So I think that's a, probably a good sign. He's going to probably, I think, start this game, uh, as far as, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett, uh, Stetson, uh, it's kind of funny. Kirby said again that uh, he had a uh, a lower back issue, I guess, on Monday. Uh, when we asked James Cook about that yesterday, James was like, I didn't know he was hurt. So uh, I think it's one of those deals where Kirby may have been overstating that just a little bit. So uh, I wouldn't worry about Stetson. But from what I understand, uh, uh, JT is getting uh, – it. they feel good good about him right now unless there's some kind of you know setback uh, or, or they wind up thinking he does. he's not looking quite as good as he needs to do, throwing the ball down the field, moving in the pocket. I think JT Daniels will get started at South Carolina. Dash, appreciate you taking the time to do this again, man. Good to see you, as always. Um, hey, so here's where I want to go. Shane Beamer and – some of the players and his coaches have all been, you know, asked about Georgia's talent level. Shane Beamer addressed it. Clayton White, the DC, Marcus Satterfield, those C's, Pete Limbo, special teams coordinator. Those three coordinators all spoke yesterday. And when the talent level of Georgia came up, all of them kind of just laughed in terms of how, how, how good it is. Shane Beamer went as far as to say that this is the most talented Georgia team ever. So you've covered this program for a long time. Do do you agree with that notion that this is the most talent that's been assembled on one team in Athens? There's a lot of talent. I will say that. I don't know yet if I'm ready to go and say this is the most talented Georgia team ever. The 2017 team was pretty good. And you yeah. look at who they had on that squad. A lot of those guys currently playing in the NFL, Nick Chubb, Sonny Michelle, though, those were some pretty good players themselves. So I don't know if I'm quite ready to go there there yet. Defensively, though, this team is, is 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 pretty good. I will say that the defensive front, with uh, you know Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, Nazir Stackhouse, uh, it's is I'll I'll say that group is as deep as uh, any Georgia team I have seen. So that's probably the strength, in my opinion, of this team right now. But as far as the the most talented, I don't know. Unless you want to go counting stars, four and five stars, you know, I haven't done that. But maybe if you do that, there's a They've got more than they've had in, in recent years. But as far as being the best Georgia team ever, perhaps way, way too early to, to be saying that yet. Yeah, yeah that's a pretty big mouthful, um, honestly. <laughs> but uh, but you, you mentioned Jordan Davis, man. Um, yeah. ha- have you have you ever seen a guy that big who can move uh, the, the way Jordan Davis is? And, and what's it like to watch that guy just on a week-to-week basis? We see clips of him, obviously. We see him when they play South Carolina, but um, I, I gotta admit, I gotta imagine uh, he, he's just a pretty impressive guy to watch on a week to week basis too. 
Yeah, not not playing for UGA anyway. I, I've seen a couple for Alabama over the years, but Jordan is a uh, he he's something special. I tell you, he, he's gone from a guy who was a three star, not really highly recruited, uh, was a guy they they weren't even sure he'd be able to keep his weight down. But but here he is, and uh, if you watch UAB game, just an example of uh, his athleticism. There was a play where UAB scrambled, the quarterback scrambled right, and Jordan started on the left hash and, and ran down the quarterback to the Georgia sideline, chased him about 20 yards before making the tackle. And everybody uh, who we talked to, you know, after that was just, you know, I was personally blown away. I've never seen a big man, you know, run that fast, but his teammates like, hey, he does this in practice, you know, every day. But, again, you're talking about a guy who routinely takes on double teams, sometimes triple teams, and it's because of his success. You see guys like N'Kobe Dean, Channing Tindall from there in Columbia, uh, you know, Quay Walker make a ton of tackles with this ball team. And a lot of it is, a, again – you know, due to the play that Jordan Davis is doing, taking up those blocks. Yeah, Nakobe Dean, a guy that that Marcus Satterfield singled out, uh, Gamecocks offensive quarter, coordinator yesterday, saying that he he scared him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, just kind of joking around a little bit yeah. about that. But so, Dash, the 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 coaches, the players, us in the media, we we've all talked about how talented this Georgia team is, particularly on defense. Right, mm-hmm. that's what you said. That's that's what we all know. That's been the strength of this team. Mm-hmm. That said, have there been any, I don't know, signs of concern for this Georgia team? Are there any areas that, I don't know if you go as strong as use the word struggle, but are there any areas that ha- that need some work, you know, based on what you've seen through the first couple games of the season? Well, you know, the secondary going in was a, I won't know if it's, I won't know if I say concern, but it was a, a question. Cause there was some 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 uh, youth back there, uh, and in the Clemson game, you know, Kevin Ringo, who's starting at one of the corner spots, they had two pass interference calls on some post plays that Clemson tried, and you know that was a little bit of an issue. He came back last week, played great, had an interception, but I, if you want to call it a, a question mark right now, maybe in the kicking game. I mean, Jack Pudlesny, who was so good last year, almost automatic his missed field goals in both of the, uh, Georgia's first contest, and uh, that's something that Coach Smart has been asked about. Uh, he said uh, Tuesday that, you know, hey, you know, that happens with kickers sometimes. We've still got 100% faith in him. He you know, gave the old company line. We're still behind him. But that is, in, uh, I, I think, a little bit of a concern right now. Is is, uh, is, is something going on with, with Jack right now where he's uh, not going to be as consistent as last year? So, um, obviously, I don't know if it's big enough to be the elephant in the room, but just an interesting storyline here. Will Muschamp, uh, yeah. first of all, ends up at Georgia in an off-the-field role. Now he's the special teams coordinator. Um, is that a storyline that just people like us in the media yeah. talk about, or is, is that an actual? Does it have any effect in this game, Dash? That uh, that gave me like a notebook brief as all uh, Will Muschamp, uh, you know, as far as this game goes. I mean, look, I mean, he's been around the SEC a, a, a ton of years. This isn't the first type of situation like that he's been involved in, and and really, all, what's he going to be able to tell Coach Smart anyway? He may have some. Some some tips on personnel, I mean, how players play, but he has no idea what South Carolina is going to be doing. I mean, offensively, the plays have changed, the calls have changed. So, I think that's something just guys like, guys like myself may like to write about every once in a while. But you know, I'm sure after the game is over, you'll see Coach Muschamp hug some of his former players, that sort of deal. But as far as having an impact on the outcome of this game, no, 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 none whatsoever. Yeah, and, and I saw Kirby the other day basically said as much when he was asked about that. He kind of just said. And correct me if I'm wrong, Dash, on, yeah. the, on kind of the phrasing, but that that's something you guys like to write about every Pretty year, much. and it really doesn't have an effect on anything. Uh, we saw it with Will Muschamp, you know, being the the head coach of South Carolina, 
coaching against some of the guys that he had just left at Florida exactly. a year or two past. So it happens. Um, all right. So tell us about the Georgia offense. Uh, what can people expect from it? Obviously, you, you look at it, quarterback questions as far as, you know, who ends up starting. I know you said you think JT Daniels may, but I know they've missed some pieces. They've been missing some pieces mm-hmm. there with Darnell Washington, some receiver injuries. What's the offense look like for the dogs right now? Well, you know, you know, even though last weekend they really got the passing game going, but, you know, a lot of that I think was due to the fact that UAB was put like eight, nine, ten guys in a box and just daring Georgia to run. And, you know, that's not going to work too too many times. Uh, you know, and I, I do think in this game Georgia would love to get the running game going. That's something that didn't happen against Clemson. Of course, Clemson's defense I think is, is pretty legit. They returned pretty much all those guys from last year, so I'm not going to – you know, sit here and say Georgia just stunk it up that day. I mean, sure, could they go run better? Sure. I mean, they and they did toward the end of that ball game, but uh, you know, they have a and every one of the running backs is back from last year. I mean, Zamir White. I mean, and Kendall Milton. Uh, I mentioned uh, James Cook earlier. Uh, Kenny McIntosh. It's a it's a deep a deep group. I mean, again, you're talking four former four and former five star players. Uh, offensive uh, line is a uh, you know it's, it's a little bit of a a little, little bit of a shakeup going on. They did lose, you know, Tate Rattler, the starting right guard, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, had a Liz Frank injury, so he's done for the year. There has been some talk that they eventually want to move left tackle Jamari Salyer inside to probably that's his natural position at guard. Uh, they've been having him had not had to play left tackle uh, just because they really haven't got anybody else any kind of experience out there, but they hope eventually that somebody like a Broderick Jones will be able to slide in there and push uh, Jamari inside, which I think is that ultimately does have, will make them a, a lot stronger and a little more effective what they're trying to do running the football. Uh, you mentioned uh, Darnell Washington. He, no, again, he's not going to be available for this week. Uh, uh, had a toe injury, uh, him and uh, Tyke Smith on defense uh, a couple of weeks ago, so he's not quite, quite back, even though he has shed the boot. Uh, so that's left uh, the tight end to uh, roll up to a couple of guys, John Fitzpatrick and a true freshman, Brock Bowers, who has uh, been been very, very impressive. I mean, he took a wheel route last week against UAB, uh, took it for an 89-yard touchdown where he just outran UAB's secondary. He's, he's a guy who uh, his, you know, you hear every, every, every team, every school has these plays where you hear buzz about him back in the spring and into the summer. And uh, Brock has been one of those you know, few occasions where the buzz is actually – so far, anyway, it's, it's, it's been true. So he's somebody I know Coach Beamers and his staff are going to be very, you know, concerned about because he's a guy he gets the ball in his hands. Uh, even as big as he is, he's like 6'3", 6'4", about 240 pounds to kick and move. Uh, wide receiver, uh, they're young. Um, you look at all the wide, wide receiver receptions for Georgia's here, and, and nobody above a sophomore has called a pass, you know, for, for the Bulldogs uh, in so far this year. I mean, you're talking, you know, true freshman uh, – uh, retro freshman, Kyrus Jackson, a sophomore, uh, should be back this week playing receiver. He's been returning punts, but he's had a little bit of a knee issue, had a meniscus deal. He had some surgery on back a few months ago, and he's not quite, hasn't quite anyway gotten back into the swing of things receiver. But they've got like guys like you know, Marcus Roby, Jack Saint, Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, who was a track guy down in Florida, is, is really starting to come on as a receiver and is, is easily the fastest guy on the team. Had a big, long you know, post pattern for a touchdown uh, against the Blazers last week, so Again, the receivers. I mean, this is you know they 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 want to have explosive plays. I mean, Georgia I know is, is known for running the football, being a ground pound type team, but they want to be more explosive. They know they have to be more explosive if they ultimately want to be the kind of team that you know perhaps does contend for national championship. Because the way offenses are right now, I mean, no no team is going to be able to go out and shut that some shut somebody out 
you know, on a, on a weekly basis. They need want to get this offense turned up a little bit, and they'll see if they can get that done, you know, starting the, tomorrow. I mean, starting Saturday night. You know, I was going to ask Dasha, what are the matchups in this game that maybe you have your your eyes set on? I mean, obviously, George is a huge favorite. It's going to take a it's going to take a monumental effort from South Carolina. It's going to take, uh, frankly, some mistakes from from Georgia if, if this thing's going to end up being close. We have seen South Carolina in the past, for whatever reason, uh, hang ago. around. You know, in this matchup, we saw yeah. it two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes it defies sort of the on paper. Uh, reasoning you would look at going into a game so uh, are there any areas you you look at particularly on our on our end looking at it from South Carolina's perspective mm-hmm. I, I sort of look at the way South Carolina's defensive line has played the, the first couple of weeks um can, can they get you know in the backfield the way they have against lesser opponents uh, you know against Georgia this week that, that's a matchup that caught my attention but yeah is there anything in this matchup that, that has stood out to you as far as something to watch on Saturday I'm with you, Wes. I mean, I'm always about the line of scrimmage. I mean, that that's what determines, uh, you know, ball game. That determines wins and losses. I know fans don't often like to hear that. They don't want to hear about uh, how somebody's wide receiver is going to beat that cornerback or how this running back is going to break off this long touchdown run. But I really think it's the line of scrimmage. And, and, and South Carolina, to me, the matchup is how South Carolina's offensive front handles Georgia's defensive line. To me, that is the ball game. I mean, there were times that Clemson – I mean, Clemson I mean, Clemson offensive line is not what it has been. Um there were some times they they just didn't play well. There were some um, some times there that Georgia really just ragdolled them up front and uh, we just had seven sacks. But that that doesn't even begin to tell the story of that ball game because Georgia just just quashed Clemson up, up front, and that's how why you know why they ended up winning that contest. So that's going to be a story for whoever plays Georgia. I think from here on out is how well their offensive front that offensive front can handle these defensive uh you know this defensive front seven because it's really playing pretty ferocious right now. And unless you get something done there. It's going to be tough to tough to move the ball on Georgia this year, I believe. Dash, my last one for you, man. Before uh, we let you run, looking at Georgia's first couple games, obviously mm-hmm. UAB maybe kind of tossed that out. Same mm-hmm. with South Carolina with, with mm-hmm. playing Eastern Illinois, but we saw both Eastern Illinois and East Carolina. Their strategy when facing the Gamecocks offense was they were going to heat them up. We saw at the end of the ECU game, they're sending zero blitzes. It's just man coverage across the board and send everybody right up the middle. Stymied South Carolina's running attack for a while. Mm-hmm. With how good Georgia is up front, you know, front three, front four, do you anticipate – it's maybe hard to answer. Do you anticipate Georgia's going to, you know, sit back a little bit and, you know – see what South Carolina does and try to pressure and, and cause havoc with that front four, which is going to allow them, you know, more coverage opportunities, more interception opportunities, or do you think they're really going to try to heat them up just kind of based on what you saw in the first couple games? Thus far, Georgia's done some blitzes, but uh, overall they've only had to rush, you know, three or four guys and been very effective, you know, no doing that. Uh, you won't see Georgia playing kind of zone or anything of that nature in, in the secondary. Uh, you'll uh, see Georgia play, play man to man, but, uh, but uh, you'll you'll see Dan Lanning dial up some blitzes, and uh, they're going to want to put as put as much pressure, I'm sure, as they can on the quarterback, whoever that may be. Dash, good stuff as always, man. We uh, we definitely appreciate the time. Uh, sure. Good luck covering the game on Saturday, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dash. Anthony yep. Dasher, go check out the Georgia perspective at ugasports.com. Uh, good insight as always, and um, I, I don't know. I mean, that that kind of that kind of fits what, what we expected, I, I think, Chris, as far as 
strengths, weaknesses of Georgia. Um, I'm maybe, I don't want to say shocked, but just maybe a little surprised um, about the JT Daniels news, like that, that it seems to be maybe trending towards him. I maybe thought heading into the week it would maybe be trending towards another guy, but that, that would be interesting. If, if, if Georgia has him back at full strength, um, that adds a little bit more of a dynamic element. Like I, I look at Stetson Bennett the fourth sort of as being the guy, Chris. Granted, he threw five touchdowns, but he uh, he's more of a game manager. JT Daniels, sort of more your, your guy who can can make all the throws and, and gives him a little bit extra element. That's why he was a starter at, at that quarterback position. So that, that'll be interesting to see if Daniels does end up starting and the impact it has on this game. Yeah, it will be. I mean, he. This is a talented dude. I, I like, by the way. That's why I laughed. How you referred to, you said Stetson Bennett the fourth. The fourth. Yeah, Junior the fourth. Um, but but yeah, I mean that's look. J T. Daniels. We say this line a lot. He's a starter for a reason, you know. And this is a talented kid. You know, big arm. You remember last season when J T. Daniels was able to get eligible step in. You know, that's when Georgia's offense kind of went up a notch or more than a notch. And so it is interesting, Wes, that, look, and I'm not discounting, Georgia's got tons of playmakers. And a lot of the guys that Dash was listing off is, you know, this guy's a young player. This guy could step up. A lot of former four-star guys, right? (laughs) So they're still loaded with talent. But, you know, when you kind of look at it, you get a sense that the defense for Georgia, and part of this because they're so elite, they're a good bit ahead of the offense. You know, Georgia's offense, I agree with Dash. Clemson's defense looks really good. Um, that's a tough matchup for anybody. So they weren't super productive that game. They're very productive against UAB. I don't know if we know how good this offense is yet, right? Um, so South Carolina's best chance here is defensively play extremely well. Certainly, if JT Daniels is under center for the Dogs, that makes it more challenging because he's the starter. He's the best guy they've got right now. Um, but I thought that was interesting, just hearing him kind of talk through, you know, missed field goals, maybe some offensive questions. That's your recipe for South Carolina right there is you need to have some stuff like that happen just like it happened in, in 2019. And not saying it will happen, but that's that's really your recipe. Yeah, and uh, dude, watching – I'm sort of maybe a quarter through – watching UAB in Georgia, and, man, from the very beginning, <laughs> like, this, this was this was not even a football game. From Like, uh, I think Georgia scored on the first or second play offensively. The, the, the one I was watching on YouTube, the beginning was cut off, but Georgia scored very, very quickly. And then UAB, from the very start, was going backwards. They were trying to call a screen pass. They couldn't get a playoff. Uh, they threw the ball over a running back's head. I mean, it was – it was a literal disaster. So it, it's kind of if you're if you're looking at what Georgia's done so far, you've seen you know them play a Clemson defense that we think is good. Right. We, we know we know they're good. We know they're at least good, right? Yeah. But Georgia had what zero offensive touchdowns mm-hmm. in this game. So it's not like they just played a good de- you know played a really good defense and sort of got held down, but but still managed to score 17, 21, you know, 24 points. 
they they, re- they got completely shut down for the most part. Then they play a team in UAB that really couldn't do much of anything against them on either side of the ball, and, and they blow them out. So it, it's kind of both they, – they've sort of played both sides, you know, like both ends of the spectrum, I'm trying to say. So are – are they as good as they sort of looked against a really, you know, not great UAB team? Are they as bad as they looked offensively against a, a good Clemson defense? Um, is Clemson's defense as like as amazing as Georgia's offense made them look? Or you know, did Georgia's offense have have a hand in making them look that great? So I I, I think you're right, man. We we're two games in. We're still like gathering information. That would it surprise you? If Georgia, you know, they're they're a freaking thirty point favorite for a reason. Would it surprise you if Georgia just dominated this game? In, in my opinion, no. But would it surprise you if South Carolina's defense comes out and uh, and plays a really good game? Georgia's offense sort of moves the football a little bit, but doesn't come out dominant at the beginning, and South Carolina sort of hangs around, and it's like seventeen to seven at halftime or something. That that doesn't surprise me either because. No, no matter the no matter the names on the backs of the jerseys for South Carolina, we have seen time and time again in this matchup that South Carolina more often than not does hang around in this football game. I wouldn't I would not predict them to win the game. I'm not going to predict South Carolina to win the game. I'm not even sure it ends up being close, but does not shock me at all, Chris, if South Carolina hangs around in this game. Well, and to do that, to hang around, they're going to have to ugly up this game, you know. And and the I think the the scenario that you could see playing out here is like the defense playing extremely well, but South Carolina could still lose by a considerable margin because I think that the nightmare scenario for South Carolina is exactly what you kind of laid out with the UAB game, and it's not difficult to make that leap, seeing and knowing about this Gamecock offense through the first couple of games against subpar opponents, right? Not – they're about to step it up. I mean, almost a complete 180 from what they saw the first couple of weeks in terms of talent level, certainly from week one to week three. This offense has had some struggles with even some basic things, and, and that is going to cause huge issues if you don't get it cleaned up before Georgia, right? Well, you're going to have to play very clean, have a great game plan, take care of the ball, execute – much better than you had in the first couple of weeks against Georgia. And they're going to make that very tough. You know, if you can't do it in the first couple of weeks, it's going to be infinitely tougher against Georgia. So what you could see happening, Wes, is if South Carolina is getting stuffed in the run game, bunch of negative plays, taking sacks, turning the ball over, as you were mentioning earlier, that puts your defense in a horrible spot. Remember that game, uh, in 2012, South Carolina, best South Carolina team ever. Saw one of our chatters saying it, most talented team ever for South Carolina. And they lost in the swamp 44 to 11. The defense gave up 150 yards in that game. And they lost. Joe Muschamp team. Joe Muschamp team. Lost by 33 just because, you know, first play of the game, got a sack fumble, you know, on a nickel blitz or something like that. So, that's what you have to avoid if you're South Carolina. Your defense can carry you in this game, I think. I still think, even with the unknowns of Georgia, the unknowns of South Carolina, I think the South Carolina defense is good enough 
to where they can carry you through to keep it closer, late, closish. If you can, like you said, Wes, move the ball some offensively, right? Just don't constantly go backwards. Don't constantly give short fields. If we want to go, I'll tell you an interesting question for me, Chris, uh, because I do sometimes, uh, this may be a little bit more um, like, I don't know the term, inside baseball, a little bit more deep than most people want to talk about on a podcast. But I, I'll, I'll be curious. It seems to me like most of the time, South Carolina, Chris, has sort of stuck to that four-two-five personnel. Um, I actually saw against ECU a, a decent amount of actual true dime personnel as well, where, um, you know, I think they had Cam Smith sort of playing some nickel a, a bit with um, with either David Spalding or Carlin Spatel still on the field as well as an additional defensive back. But I, I don't – I don't know that we've seen much true like four or three personnel, which uh, against a team like Georgia. Now they're, they're way more spread than your traditional Georgia team was, you know, in the past. Um, do we see, you know, who, who's South Carolina's third linebacker when they're in the four, three, what, what does that look like? Um, is that something they're comfortable with? At times I've seen South Carolina just move that nickel back over into the box uh, when facing a more condensed um are, are a different type of personnel. We were talking about two tight ends or, or two running backs. So I, I'll be curious to see, does that play a, does that have an effect in the past? South Carolina has had a, a pretty good four, uh, three look as far as their base package. This four, two, five is sort of their base package under Clayton white. So does that play a factor in this game? I don't know, but we shall see. And, and I'm with you, man. I, I think, um, I think if, if it plays out like it did last week against ECU and the defense, the defense was good enough against those guys to sort of um, still play very well despite being put in some bad situations. This week, um, pr- probably not the case. And, uh, you know, some somebody said above, it's going to be really hard to replicate, uh, you know, three interceptions, a missed field goal in overtime, like all the things that had to happen in 2019. Absolutely, 100%. I agree. Percentage-wise, yes, South Carolina probably doesn't win this game. On paper, South Carolina doesn't win this game. Um, there, there just have been some weird these, – these games against Georgia have played out very, very strangely. And, and I'll tell you what, not only was 2012 that team the best team in South Carolina history, in my opinion, that also – the win over Georgia that year, I saw Shaq Wilson posting some clips from that game on Twitter today or yesterday. That might be – that might be the Spurrier era Gamecocks at their finest. Like that, that game, I remember leaving the stadium that night, Chris, and thinking this team may win the national championship. Like I, I remember thinking this team has everything because they literally dominated Georgia from kickoff to finish. Um, and, and and then obviously the schedule you lose at LSU you lose at Florida and uh, and the rest is history as they say but man there there have been some I, I remember Chris if we go down I remember being in the stadium and go back a decade before that in 2002 the David Pollock play when um, he intercepted basically uh, Corey Jenkins without the ball ever leaving Corey's hand 
in the end zone, defensive battle, right? And Pollock takes it away from him, scores a touchdown. They go up 10-0, Georgia does. And I think South Carolina answered right back with a touchdown. And then was that the game where they had the fumble at the goal line on the pitch um, to Andrew Pinnock? Somebody in the chat. That, that, that's the same game. That's the same game. So th- there have been some really, really weird games in this matchup. Well, and you remember, okay, I mean, the, the pinnacle of weird for me was, you know, the Melvin Ingram fake punt game. I mean, the amount of wild – I was at that game, I remember, and, and it was just – even as you're sitting there going through it, you're like, what is this? Like, the game was completely, like, drunk. I mean, it was just a crazy game. Think about the game down in Athens one year. It was Steven Garcia. They had, what, the fourth down play? Like, he had somebody, got the ball tipped. He had the game early in the Spurrier era where I think it was uh, Jasper Brinkley, I think, sealed the game with an interception. Um, 2007. 2007 is what that was. There was a game where uh, a a very close game where I think South – I think Georgia sealed the game with a pick late in the game in Columbia. can't remember if Joe Cox was the quarterback for that game or somebody else, but you're right. I mean, there there have been – some super, super weird games, and, you know, each game stands on its own, obviously. But the point is, when chaos ensues in a game, no matter who South Carolina's opponent is, you know, that's that's how upsets are sprung. When one team just plays very poorly for whatever reason and the other team is, is good enough that one day to take advantage, that's how it can happen. And that's what it's going to take. Yeah, that, there was a, the 2009 shootout in Athens when um, – it went back and forth all game, and then South Carolina had the ball inside the 10 with a chance to win. Fourth down, I think Wesley Saunders is open, and the ball gets batted down. Um, I mean, we, we could do a whole podcast, I think, on the South Carolina-Georgia game. So, yeah. um, let's see. Yeah, um, anyway, what, uh, what what else we got, man? I guess we uh, got to tell everybody about Dead Soxie, huh? Yeah, look, I made sure that I was not muted, Wes, before I started talking about it, which is – that's normally the transition that gets me. GamecockCentral.com's partnered this season with Dead Soxie. Go check out the fine folks at Dead Soxie with their awesome socks. They have men's and women's, any occasion, soft feel, patented, no-slip technology. We've got pairs. We love them. You should check them out, too. Check out the college line. Check out the athletics, the no-show socks, dress socks, whatever you think uh, you might want to go check out their full catalog at deadsoxy.com and get 25% off your order when you use the promo code COCKY. That's deadsoxy, D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Chris, somebody asked what the line was two years ago. Um, Oh, it's a good question. Let me... I'm gonna effort that. I'm efforting. I I, I want to say. So by the way, those of you who are into gambling and lines and all that stuff, Brian Edwards, uh, who's a handicapper at VegasInsider.com. I, I was happy that Shu brought this segment back, Chris. We've got a weekly column from him for Gamecock Central subscribers that um, will take a Vegas view, basically, of the South Carolina game each week. And he, he goes into some other games that he is intrigued by. Um, 
At times, Chris, he will go back and mention lines between the two teams from the past. Uh, let's see. I'm going to effort that right now and see if he – I'm trying – I know last year um, Georgia ended up – Georgia won 45-16 in Columbia. They were – Georgia was a 22-point favorite in that game. Um, what do you make, Chris, of Vegas having South Carolina as a bigger underdog than UAB was last week? That is interesting. What did UAB do in week one of, of their season? I think they beat Jacksonville State, who ended up beating Florida State. Did they not? Did I make that up? Did I dream that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're right, because I was watching that game. That might have been a Thursday night game. Um, you know, Vegas knows things, man. They, they, Vegas they, knows, dude. They know. So, I mean, what do I think of it? I, I'm surprised initially when you tell me, but, you know, honestly, when Vegas sets lines now, I always look at it and I go, it's Vegas. I mean, they they, they know things. They, they set lines. They're good at setting lines. So, that's interesting. And look, I think probably you just you you look at this. Let's let's take out whatever Vegas uses to to determine these things. Um, it isn't a great matchup for South Carolina on paper, right? That's that's all we can talk about right now is on paper and kind of based on what we've seen from both of these teams through two games. And it's not a great matchup because you know South Carolina in terms of moving the football. That's the part that you really, um, if you're a South Carolina fan, are concerned about is moving the football because not only does that hurt your ability to score, you get Clemson with all their talent, they come out and they score three points against Georgia, right? South Carolina has not moved the ball well or scored a lot this year against good competition. Um, and then on top of that, it puts your defense in a bad spot. So um, I'm not shocked by it. I mean, I'm surprised initially, but I'm I'm not really ever truly shocked by a Vegas line. Yeah, um, I did find according to Brian Evers, twenty not the Brian Evers that played for South Carolina, obviously twenty point five uh, is what the line was two years ago. Um, obviously, Georgia favored by twenty point five um, with South Carolina going into Athens. Trey says, "Why don't you stop saying buttery soft? It was a nice touch." Justin says, "I almost got peed on by a drunk Georgia fan." Um, in Sanford Stadium in 2001. All I have to say, Justin, is that you only almost got peed on. So as far as trips to Georgia, that's probably a win, man, from some some stuff I've heard in the past. Um, Mark, is that your prediction for the uniforms, or did I miss a uniform report? Because I was thinking I might be able to bring back the unofficial official report this week, Chris. And You've got – hey, Wes, you've got – Beamer has not – Spoiled it, but I would get it out before what 8 p.m. Whenever, whenever 7 p.m. Sorry, whatever Carolina calls is, Beamer will probably spoil you once again. Yes, uh, Travis says the line has never determined a win or loss. True, but Vegas knows, man. Vegas, they uh, they didn't build all those uh, casinos by being bad at that stuff. So, um, Vegas, Vegas has a way, man. Um, all right, that's all I got, Chris. You got anything else, man? No, man. Good show. Uh, appreciate Anthony Dasher from UGASports.com joining us. Good insight from him. And as always, we'll continue breaking down this matchup on GamecockCentral.com. Excited about the content that we have and that we've got coming um, for this weekend and throughout the rest of the season, man.
Yeah, final uh, final thoughts Friday. Uh, that'll be our final preview for the matchup. And as always, uh, we're presented by our good friend Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. Thanks for all the support to all of you, and we'll see you on Friday.